It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Iceland melted away at Wembley as England turned up the heat. A 4-0 Nations League victory for the Three Lions last night with Phil Foden, the star of the show. Two goals and a great performance from the Man City man is that redemption for his Reykjavik rebellion a couple of months ago. Plus, he's played for Real Madrid, he's played for Juventus and now he wants to play in the Premier League. World Cup winner Sami Khedira is out of contract in the summer and wants a move to England. But would anyone take him? And it's the turn of Leeds United to be under floodlight focus today. LUTV and Virgin Radio presenter Rich Williams joins us to give an inside look on the goings-on at Ellen Road this season. This is Football Social Daily, bringing to you a new podcast every single day of the season. Hit subscribe now and never miss an episode. I'm Niall. Joining me on today's Football Social Daily, we've got Marley Anderson. Hello, Marley. Hello, guys. You're right. I'm very good. And we've also got Ian Brannan. Two days in a row, Ian. Loving it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. To, due to popular demand or, uh, or lack of others, but, uh, you choose. <laughs> you just love the international break so much, you can't help but come back for a second slice. <laughs> Who doesn't? Oh, well, me, actually. I could not wait to see the end of this international break. But we do have an England game to discuss. Of course, they beat Iceland by four goals to nil last night. And I must say, Marley, compared to what we saw against Belgium, a much improved performance. The result speaks volumes. I mean, it could easily have been more than 4-0 and some really promising performances, which leads me to think that I'm actually slightly frustrated that England couldn't produce those sorts of uh, displays against Belgium. Yeah, um, that probably boils down to the fact that Belgium are a really good team and Iceland are a bit rubbish, to be honest. Um, (laughs) That's all it is. I think, you know, um, a lot of people remember, you know, the Iceland game where in Reykjavik where we struggled um, to break Iceland down because they practically just went with with nine behind the ball and and tried to soak up the pressure and it took a last minute penalty to, to, uh, to win it for England. But... I think at Wembley it's a different proposition um, altogether. I think the the pitch is a lot bigger, it's a lot smoother. Um, England were really zipping the ball around as 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 they can when they um, when they really try. And you know Iceland aren't that team that got to the Euros in 2016 anymore. I think a lot of people remember that and think, oh, Iceland aren't. You know, Iceland are quite a good team, and they're not really. Then they're, they're honestly. They're not much better than your, your sort of Bulgarias and you know 
teams like that that they, they haven't got much except Sigurdsson from free kicks and set pieces. They're a bit bit dangerous, but they're not the team that got to Euro twenty sixteen. So um, it was it was pretty comfortable for England last night, and it always should have been, I thought. And you know, there's some great performances to go along with it as well, um, which has got to be a, a real boost for for Gareth Southgate. Marley's right, isn't he, Ian? Iceland are no Belgium. Uh, Belgium, of course, are the number one ranked <laughs> team in the world, according to the FIFA rankings. But still, you've got to beat who is put in front of you. And the team that Southgate put out was certainly more youthful and probably more attacking-minded than the one we saw against Belgium, which which is interesting. Do you think that the performances from those young players were particularly good because the pressure was off and there wasn't really too much to prove other than go out there and express yourselves? Yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned yesterday about how there was there was nothing to play for in this match, and 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 that that has got to help, especially with young players who are out there having fun and playing a side who are pretty mediocre to say to say the least. You know, I mean, looking at the stats of of, of how much Iceland contributed to the game, I think you know that the, the, the linesmen contributed more to the game than much of the Iceland team did. There wasn't many much in the way of shots. They only had two shots. <laughs> England had seventy eight percent of the possession. You know, so it was. It, it was a really nice game, I suppose, I suppose for, for those younger players to, to be involved in and pass the ball around in a, a big stadium. I, I, obviously, with nobody really in it, but uh, you know, to get on that stage and really play some international football without any fear, it's got to be good for confidence, mm. if nothing else, you know. And um, and I really love the story of, of Declan Rice and Mason Mount as well. You know, <laughs> first met when when uh, Mason Mount was six and Declan Rice was eight in the Chelsea under eights, and they've they've come through the football ranks together not necessarily side by side at their uh, respective domestic clubs but you know to, to get on the score sheet and at Wembley uh, you know it has to be a great occasion for that and and I think it's if nothing else it's um, it's foundations for for the future particularly looking ahead to the, the World Cup in, in a, a couple of years or so you know it's uh, I think that's probably Gareth Southgate's thinking with with picking that team. Definitely. And, and sort of to further that point, Ian, I suppose you could say we've been talking about this for a while when it comes to England. Every time the international break rolls around, we're saying that all oh, this crop of England youngsters is looking really promising for the future. And obviously we've seen some um, evidence of that last night against Iceland. But when do you think that that's really going to kind of come to the fore? Is it in two years time at the next World Cup? Is, is that the kind of plan from Southgate or is he looking even further into the future, maybe four years down the line to give these lads a real chance to kind of bed into senior football? I reckon it's a mixture of the both. I mean, for as long as I can remember, we've always been talking about the, the next wave of players. And I think this crop do have it. You know, they've, they've got an experience of success you know, with the under 18s. And, and we have kind of got that theme now in the youth <clears throat> of, of the now senior England team of being successful at major competitions. Whether he's looking at the next major tournament, we've you know, got the Euros, we've got the World Cup. But I think you're right that if we get anything out of those two tournaments, tournaments that will be a bonus I, mean, I think you know you're probably looking further down the line when the players are 26 27 28 to, to really hit their peak um but I think it is exciting and it's a case of keeping them together and 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 keeping their friendships together as well um you know and not having any sort of fallouts off the field to, to keep that sort of sense of team which is mm. very important which is something that we obviously don't see very much as, as fans but you know I think you're right Ian because I think that's something that's overlooked I remember Rio Ferdinand talking about it on TV a couple of years ago saying that you know, he grew up with Frank Lampard coming through the West Ham Academy. But when it got to um, the domestic scene, um, obviously they were pitted against each other with Chelsea and Manchester United respectively. And so they were kind of 
rivals on the pitch. And when it got to England camps, Rio said that he would never talk to Frank Lampard just because, you know, that that competitive edge was still there domestically in the Premier League. So maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's kind of ebbed away a little bit now. Uh, But certainly a performance that did stand out last night, Marley, was Phil Foden. As Ian rightly says, Declan Rice and Mason Mount were the first two goals. Uh, But it was Phil Foden who who added a further two after that. And it was his first performance for England since the debacle in Reykjavik in September where he broke England's coronavirus protocol by inviting a couple of Icelandic models back to the team hotel and breaching that biosecure bubble. He was punished for it by being left out of the October England squad. He's back in the fold now and he came back with a bang because he performed really, really well. Is this a little bit of redemption for Foden, do you think, on the international stage? Uh, yeah, I don't think he'd have, um, he'd have viewed it as that. I think he's, he's still pretty... Uh sort of just tries his best in every game. I don't think it would have spurred him on, but it would have been in his mind that he's he's got something to prove um, a little bit, even though I think if you ever see Phil Foden play, you would always think, you know, what's this guy got to prove? Because he's ridiculously good. He's At his age, I've, I can't remember seeing uh, an English player of his age be as good as he is. Probably, I mean, you could probably say Michael Owen when he, was, when he burst onto the scene in sort of mm. 2000. Or maybe Joe Cole. He reminds me a lot of Joe Cole just in terms of the similar technical ability and, and what he can do with the ball at his yeah, feet. Yeah, I mean, he's he's so comfortable with the ball at his feet. It's, it's, his touch is just unreal, I think. And, you know, last night was was one of uh, one of many England caps, I'm sure, and uh, one of the many England caps where he's been the sort of main creative uh, spark because he was, he was brilliant, I think. You know, when he, he controlled that ball from 60 feet in the air with a, with a Cruyff turn down the line and, and then beat the, the defender, um, was just like, okay, this guy's, you know, yeah. seriously enjoying himself now and that's how good he is. And, you know, he's, he's in the Man City team pretty much every week now. He's always playing, you know, at least 45 minutes. I think he started three of his last four games for, for Man City. He starts the game against uh, Liverpool last season, you know, the, the big one where... Uh, Man City won four 0 so he's he's in he's in that sort of um, <laughs> that frame now. Um, and he's certainly think, not sitting on the bench for six years, like someone predicted on Twitter. No, I, I don't know which type of fat idiot would uh, would <laughs> would predict that, but you know it is what it is. With the uh, you know you stick your neck out, it's gonna get taken off sometimes. <laughs> those predictions, but it was always a daft one if you if you seen him play that that silly prediction from from Custis, but. Yeah, it is what it is, and I mean, he's he's just he's so so good forward, and it it honestly baffles me when when you see him that he's that he's so young, um, and he's he bagged a couple of goals last night, and they weren't exactly bad goals either. The second one was uh, was particularly good when he he just looked like a guy who had, um, you know, wanted to take the game by the scruff of the scruff of the neck, and that's exactly what he did because Iceland just couldn't live with him and. Even though Iceland weren't aren't the best team, you know you've you've got to beat what's in front of you, and you've got to you've got to do well. Eighty percent possession for the team and two goals for Foden is uh, is the way to do it. Well, England conclude their Nations League campaign with a four 0 victory over Iceland, but of course those couple of defeats in recent international breaks mean that they don't reach the Nations League finals. I'm not sure anyone's too despairing here on Football Social Daily about that. Time for a quick break here on the podcast, and afterwards we'll be talking about a player who's been. A big name in Europe, let's say, for the last five, six years, maybe even more. And he's interested in a move to the Premier League. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. And also visit the website sport-social.co.uk for all the latest Premier League match previews and match reports for every single game of the season, no matter who you support. So go out and do that. I want to talk, Marley, about Sami Kadira, who is a name that some Premier League fans might not know because even though he's been at the sort of upper echelons of, of European teams in the last five to six years, he's certainly gone about his business under the radar. But the 33-year-old Juventus midfielder is out of contract in the summer. Of course, he used to play for Real Madrid, so he's got experience at top clubs. And he's been speaking to the press during this international break and saying that it's his dream to play in the Premier League. Now, we've heard this once or twice from other players over the years, that it's their dream to play in the Premier League. Um, but Sami Kadira, do you think he could be a, a good addition to our league? Um, maybe a few years ago, but I'd be less tempted by him now. You know, at 33 years old, and he's probably going to come with a pretty big, substantial wage package. Um, I maybe would be less tempted to, to make a move for him. I'm trying to think who would who would want him. Um, I don't think he suits any of the top clubs. Uh, possibly, I don't know. I can't think. I think Man United. He wouldn't solve any problems at Man United because he's he's old. Yeah, he wouldn't get into the City team. He wouldn't get into the Arsenal team with you know them just signing Thomas Partey. They're probably looking for a more creative midfielder than than Kadira, who's more of a, a ball winner. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure who would go for him. I think he thinks. I can get into a top side. Someone will, someone will give me a contract, maybe if I if I put my name out there. But I don't think I agree with it, to be honest. I think mm. at thirty three, you're asking a lot for a yeah. for a midfielder who's yeah, fair enough. He's done a lot in the game and he's he's won nearly everything and and what have you. But I mean, he's got credentials, hasn't he? Yeah, for sure, he does. But he's, he's time's not on his side. He, at he all. was rumored to be uh, heading to Wolves at one point in the last transfer window. <laughs> Wolves, wow. He's not Portuguese, though, is he? So uh, yeah. <laughs> Jose Mourinho is, and, and he wants to play with Jose Mourinho. So maybe maybe that's the the, the best he's going to get. Certainly, that's what he's been saying, Ian. You're absolutely bang on. Um, the, the former Real Madrid player who, of course, played under Jose, as we're supposed to say him on the podcast now, um, he rates him as the best manager he's ever played under. Um, so maybe Spurs is where he's eyeing up. But just to rewind slightly, Ian, when he says it's his childhood dream, in inverted commas, to play in the Premier League, is that just a little bit of a come and get me plea to Premier League clubs? Because the Premier League's where the money is. Everyone knows that. I mean, Juventus aren't going to be paying him peanuts. That's no, you know, that's no secret. But certainly, if you're talking about getting a big bumper contract at the age of 33, you're looking to the Premier League, aren't you, to give you that option? Is isn't it all of our childhood dreams to play in the Premier League? I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, this is the sure. thing. I mean, in that case, we're all issuing a come and get me plea. Um, will that happen? I don't know. He's obviously got um, a lot of experience. He's played for Real Madrid and Juventus, and he, you know, he's got a, a huge amount of experience. International World Cup winner. Uh, is that? Is he, he's a World Cup winner, isn't he? I think. Um, yeah, he's a German international. Yeah, yeah German sure, international. So. so yeah, he's a World Cup winner. Uh, of course, he's going to fit in or going to be on the radar for any team in the Premier League is going to want an ex-Real Madrid and Juventus midfielder yeah, who's yeah. won the World Cup. Of course you are. It is his dream to play in the Premier League. As you say, it's also the richest league in the world. That's uh, <laughs> no small detail. Um, 
as Marley mentioned, he's going to come with a. He's not going to be cheap. I mean, it's it's not the same level at all. But um, they they they're paid so much, and it's it is going to put it out of the reach of, you know, Crystal Palace and Fulham. I don't think he's going to be uh, troubling them anytime soon. It is going to be a top team that can uh, afford him. I mean, looking back, uh, twenty fourteen, he, he was rumored to be coming to to Man City um, at one point, and and that never actually happened. So, you know, would w- would that be something he would be interested in? I don't know. As you say, it seems to more him or let's let's be honest his agent who uh, <laughs> probably are, are more interested in the move than than maybe any uh, teams in the Premier League are uh, of, of moving for him definitely I mean you look at the names that Ian's reeled off there Marley Manchester City uh, reportedly interested some years ago but in recent times it certainly has fallen a little bit flat and uh, as Ian said again Wolverhampton Wanderers were kind of another team that had been pointed out as a possible destination for him but when he said that you know, he regards Jose as the best manager he's played under. Is that kind of an eye on Spurs saying, all right, Tottenham, if you really are this big player in the Premier League now, you've got this new stadium, you've signed the likes of Bale, come and get me, come and get someone who's performed at some big clubs in Europe across the years. Do you think that there's an element of that to it? Yeah, it definitely sounds like that, doesn't it? Um, I think, you know, when you've been around for as long as he has, you know that, you know, your, your time's coming to an end at, at the top Um top level with with Juventus and you're trying to hang on to it for as long as you can whether it's a two-year deal in the Premier League if you can get that then fine um if not you're probably gonna have to look at either a smaller wage packet or try and get a move to um MLS or to Qatar or to China or something like that to try and keep your your wage packet topped up but you know why not if you worked with Josie before why not why not say you know how about it again old boss because you know, he. <laughs> the thing is with Daniel Levy as well. You can go and say we can get a World Cup winner on a free, and you might just spin it to him. You might, you might just take that gamble on him um, if he can get him mm. for, you know, still a lot of money, but not, you know, not hundred and fifty grand a week, something like that. You know, you'd probably do the deal if if the money was right and take a little bit of a chance on him. But um, from a playing perspective, I think you know he's never been the quickest. Um, he's a decent. He's good at reading the game and things like that, but. I don't think he's uh, he's quite suited for from going from Italian football and and the slightly slower nature of it to um, the the pace and the intensity of the Premier League at 33 years old. I think when he was linked with Man City as a 27 year old, you can probably make a case for it because he was one of the best defensive midfielders in the world at the time. Um, but then since he went to Juventus and you know, six years is a long time in football and it's a long time in the legs of a footballer as well. So I, I don't think it would be the wisest move for, for any team, to be honest. Mm. So if I was Sammy Kadira, I'd be I'd be hitting up, you know, into Miami and things like that and being like, I'll, I'll go somewhere for the last few years of my career with a decent wage and a, a decent climate. So Sammy Kadira, 33 years old, out of contract at Juventus in the summer. Could he be on, could he be on his way to the Premier League? Could he be on his way to Tottenham Hotspur. We'll have to wait and find out. One thing we do know for certain, though, is that the Premier League will continue with three substitutes. The EFL, Marley, have decided to change the rules to allow five substitutes. Leagues one and two will allowed to be allowed to name seven players on the bench using five substitutes at any one time um, during a game. And the Championship have been allowed to name nine substitutes on the bench, but again, only being allowed to use five during the course of a match. So the Premier League have decided to stay stubborn. There was a vote on this in August. We've spoken about it more than once on the podcast in recent times. But certainly the EFL deciding that 
five subs is the way forward, even for those League Two sides um, at the bottom of the football pyramid. Surely that puts the pressure on the Premier League to make a decision about this soon. Yeah, I think it does. Um, you know, everyone's been vocal about it. You know, Guardiola, Solskjaer and um, who was it? Was it Mourinho as well was, was talking about it and they want to, you know, they desperately want five subs and you can understand that and mm-hmm. I can understand it and I think everybody can understand it. Um, however, my issue with it is you've you've started with three and if I was told, as if I was a Premier League manager or a chairman or a chief executive or a sporting director or something like that, if I was told that there was five subs available all season, it would have affected my transfer policy like massively because I would have signed more players to to be able to cope with this um, with this added um, possibility of, of putting five players on and changing a game. You know, you can change half your team in uh, half half your outfield team in in one game, and that's. That's huge, um, yeah. And I think you know, not every team is set up to utilize five subs as good as the top sides are. And I know, I know, people are getting injured, but I've, to, to be honest, it's the rules you've set, and I don't think you should change the rules halfway through um, a season because it, it it's always going to disadvantage some teams and advantage others. And I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think the the top sides are saying, you know, we want this change. With an ulterior motive, I don't think they're they're saying, well, if we have this this change, we can win more games because we've got a better bench than everybody else. I do think they're being genuine in their in their sort of um, worry about players getting injured and and what have you. But I don't think they think of it like um, from a from a, a Newcastle or a Crystal Palace or mm. a, um, even a Southampton or someone's point of view because they haven't got the biggest squad. So if you take you know if, if you know the, the difference between the in quality between the third sub and the fifth sub. It's it's big and it's a big gulf. And I think you know it does bring in more youth players. But mm. you know we see it in the in the what's it called now the Papa John's Trophy. <laughs> youth youth teams aren't that good in terms of quality um, compared to to League One and Two teams because Man United last night Man United got the one of the best academies in the world their under 21s got whacked 3-0 I think by my by Morecambe 4-0 it was in the end yeah was it 4-0 in the end mm. so there you go and I'm not I'm this that's not a dig at Man United saying they're not very good I'm just saying youth teams a lot of a lot of people are fanciful about youth teams and think well well surely it's going to give youth a chance but Youth aren't as good as everyone thinks. Not not everyone that comes out of Man U's, Man U's uh, academy is Marcus Rashford or someone yeah. like that. You know what I mean? And, and don't get me started on the Papa John's trophy. Being a Pompey fan, obviously <laughs> we're in it. In fact, we're still the reigning champions from 2019, such as the way that, that things have transpired. But, you know, it's interesting that the fans were sold this spiel that it was going to be young English or British players that were given opportunities and talent to come through the ranks. And, you know, it's going to help the England national team in the future. How many of those Manchester United under-21s last night are are going to go on to play for the England team? You just don't know that. How many of them are age group internationals? Quite a lot of them. But they're not really seeing the fruits of any labour in the Papa John's Trophy in terms of, you know, it's not. I'm not sitting there watching a Papa John's Trophy game thinking, oh, these lads are going to play for their national team one day because most of them aren't even English. Certainly, you know, in the context of the Premier League where a lot of talent comes from overseas and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But just in terms of what, 
the fans were told as the reason for including under 21 teams in the competition. It's just unnecessary. Anyway, we're, we're completely um, digressing here. What would you say to people, Marley, that um, would argue that, you know, you introduced five subs like 10 games or nine games into the season and the integrity of the competition has been compromised? Do you think that there's an argument there to be had? You know, you might see managers saying, well, at the first few games of the season, we were only allowed to make three subs and, you know, we could have ended up winning more points if that was the case and we could have had five. Yeah, I think I think they've got a case. Um, it, you know, it's all very subjective. You can never prove that you would have won games and stuff like that. But there's always a there's always a case there because you know how many times do you see something where the rules change halfway through? Like that that's always going to affect the integrity of, of something. You know, if you were halfway through an MMA fight and the referee went in the second round, right? Well, you know what? You can headbutt now, and it's like, well. If you told me that in the first round, I'd have headbutted him while I had him on the floor kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's silly. You're giving someone else a weapon, but it's it's <laughs> the pressure coming from the top clubs and it's probably something that, um, you know, the top clubs have got the injuries to back it up as well. I mean, look at the state of Liverpool mm. right now and oh, yeah, they've basically yeah. got about five fit players and they also have the squad to deal with it, in my opinion. I mean, I was thinking yesterday about the team Liverpool are still going to put out at the weekend, you're probably going with Allison in goal. You're probably going Milner, Fabinho, Matip, and Robertson because I think Robertson's going to be fit again. And then you've got the midfield, which is unaffected. You know, Henderson, Wijnaldum, um, and who's the other fella, Cater or who are, or mm. Thiago? I don't think Thiago's back, but there's the three in midfield. And then you've got Firmino, Mane, and probably Jota up front. So it's still not a bad team. So I know they've got all these players. Uh, missing, but when you can still field a back for Fabinho, Matip, Robertson, and Milner, it's not a bad. It's it's still not as bad as people think. Um, so for me, I think you know you've you've started with three subs, and that would affect how I did business if I was in charge of a football team in the summer. So um, I think it, I think it should have stayed, and we should have just got through the injury crisis, and then maybe changed it next season and said sorry, but we couldn't change it because it can't affect mm. everyone in the same way. Um, but they've they've changed, and I think that's probably came from um, from everything. The integrity has already been dented a little bit by the no fans um, being in there, and the, yeah. everything's a bit strange anyway. So I think they've probably just took this decision as. Let's just get the best Premier League out there we can because it's already been affected by yeah. other other factors that we can't control. But we can control this one, so let's try and um, try mm. the five subs thing and uh, and see what happens. Yeah, I think you're right as well. I think you know it's one of those seasons where if you are if you are going to get away with changing anything now would certainly be the season to do that as has been such the strange world of 2021 so far and it's been an interesting campaign for Leeds United too and we'll be talking about Leeds next in floodlight focus with Rich Williams who's a presenter for Leeds United TV Football's Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk the latest Premier League news for your team. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. My name's Niall. Alongside me, we've got Marley Anderson and it's time for Floodlight Focus here on the podcast. Now, if you're new to the show, Floodlight Focus is where we turn the spotlight to one of our 20 Premier League clubs. And today that spotlight is firmly focused 
on Elland Road, the home of Leeds United, albeit I'm sure those Leeds fans would be absolutely itching to get back into Elland Road to watch their side back in the top flight for the first time in 16 years. It's been a while that Leeds have been away, but they've certainly come back with a bang and hopefully they're here to say. Hopefully I don't get too many pelters on social media for saying that. Joining us to talk all about his beloved Leeds United, we've got Virgin Radio and Leeds United TV's Rich Williams. How are you doing, Rich? I'm good. You know all those people that say, uh, oh, they don't want Leeds in the Premier League. They're only lying. D- deep down, secretly, <laughs> they all love. It. They're all loving it, right? Now. It's those ones that love them in there the most. Um, and I have to say, firstly, thanks for having me. And how nice it is to see uh, and hear that you're focusing on a different Premier League team of the 20 teams, and that Leeds United are actually one of those for once <laughs> in a while. Is actually quite nice in itself. So yeah, thanks for having me. It's it's been an exciting start to the season. No worries. It certainly take a lot longer if we are focusing on 24 championship clubs or League One <laughs> clubs even. So 20 for the Premier League is just about perfect for us here on the podcast. Um, as you say, it's been a long, long time that you've been away. And there have been a few question marks over whether what you know the expectations of Leeds fans at the start of the season were realistic, let's say. I think social media can be a bit of an echo chamber. It isn't always accurate in terms of what people think their side is going to achieve at the start of the season. So let's just say the majority of level-headed Leeds fans, would they be happy with the start to the season and not fuming that you're not knocking around the top six? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's well, I've got two heads on here. So I've got my working for Leeds United TV head on where everything I do there I obviously have to be a little bit more careful what I say and I've got my Leeds United fan head on so the Leeds United TV and the Leeds United and most level-headed people would obviously say look Leeds are back in the Premier League a successful season is 17th or above yeah that's a successful season retaining Premier League status above water exactly is all Mm. that matters now, obviously, the Liverpool game at the start of the season, they lost that 4-3, but put in a good account because we didn't realise quite at the time how many goals loads of teams were going to leak. Um, and we just assumed Liverpool would go on win every game, which hasn't quite worked out so far this season. Um, but, you know, it was a great performance. Then they went on to get a couple of wins and a great performance against Manchester City. So, yes, there, there was a lot at that point of, Ella, hang on a minute. A few of the big teams <laughs> dropping points. Leeds, seven points already. There was obviously excitement, and there should be excitement. But, yeah, a couple of defeats have probably brought things down to earth a little bit. Ten points from eight games is a decent, if not spectacular, return. Mm. Uh, There does seem to be a a bit of a sort of um, squidge in the league, sort of from Leeds upwards for about sort of eight or nine places. And then you look below, it's actually teams that have really picked up quite a few less points. There's sort of like a bit of a drop-off there. So I think they've had... A pretty good start to the season. I don't think there are any complaints. The key is really is learning from those defeats and, you know, improving on those to make sure that, you know, 10 points from eight doesn't become 10 points from nine, 10 from 10, sure. you know, that's where it is. So at the moment, it's it's looking pretty healthy. And I think Leeds fans are in, definitely enjoying the ride in the football that we're playing. Definitely. For those who haven't seen the table, Leeds currently 15th and with 10 points, as Rich rightly points out. And then below six points uh, is Brighton. Of course, a four point difference there. And then you're going down towards the, the bottom end of the Premier League table. Leeds certainly have a bit of a cushion, uh, as Rich says. I spoke to a journalist or a couple of journalists, actually, not long ago, Rich, and I said, Leeds keep conceding four goals in a game. Surely that's got to be of concern to Bielsa and the supporters that they keep shelling goals. Uh, and the person responded to me. They said, well, I hope not because that's what makes Leeds United so exciting to watch. You never know whether they're going to score four or concede four. Um, but I imagine that's no good for your old ticker if you keep conceding four goals. Yeah. Um, is there a defensive <laughs> issue at Leeds at the moment, do you think? Well, the stats say there is. I mean, you know, if you, if you just look at it, then you would have to say, yes, there is a defensive issue at the moment. Um, 
It's an interesting one, really. They they defensively were very strong last season. Ben White from Brighton, who was on loan, was there, and him and Liam mm. Cooper had a fantastic partnership. Uh, all of a sudden, you take that away. Uh, you bring in new players. Uh, they brought in Diego Llorente. He's been injured since he's got there, so he hasn't played yet. But, um, you know, a, a good player by all accounts and for, signed for a lot of money as well. Uh, Robin Koch, who's settled pretty well with, with the odd mistake under pressure you saw against Leicester in particular uh, in those difficult conditions, sort of making a, a big mistake, which led to that first goal and, and a, a couple of other errors. But someone who's adjusting to the Premier League, I guess the thing is with the Premier League, there isn't really much time for adjustment, but he still looks like a very good player. Uh, they have conceded. They've conceded those four goals, both in games where Calvin Phillips has been out injured. Uh, he is, in terms of protecting that centre-back partnership, you know, he clears up a lot of the, the messy stuff. Mm. And in terms of getting the team forward, his distribution then gets them on the way as well. So I think that's been a big miss and we're not sure how soon he might be back. There is talk possibly this week and I'd be surprised, but but maybe. He's he's really key. You know, you take him out of the team and it's going to make a big difference. So is there a defensive issue? Well, they've conceded eight in two games. So, uh, you know, I'd, be, I'd sound like a fool if I, I said no, but I do think that they will sort it out. And if I was going to be a team that's going to be new to the Premier League, I think you're in more danger if you can't score goals than if you're conceding a few more because you might lose mm. the odd game 4-1. Maybe, a, you know, you end up losing a game 5-0 to Chelsea or whoever it might be. But actually, in the games you need to win, if you can't score goals in those ones, you might end up with a 0-0 draw or losing 1-0. And Leeds will score mm. goals this season and that's where they'll pick up points. So I'd, I'd be more worried if it was at the other end of the the, uh, uh, the field rather than in the defensive side but we'll have to wait and see how it pans mm. out really well rich you mentioned there you know uh, scoring at the other end one of the main uh scorers for you this season has obviously been bamford um he got a lot of stick over the summer didn't he um about you know oh we need a striker we you know he won't score goals in the premier league um do you always think that if you can create so much so many chances he's bound to put a few away and 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 pull his weight kind of thing well, you know, there's a bit of a misconception about Patrick Bamford, um, along with some other strikers in the Premier League, perhaps, who, and Bamford scored loads of goals this season, uh, who maybe, when you look at games-to-goals ratio, you think, well, is that is that good enough for a number nine? But in the system that Bielsa plays, his role is so much wider and more important to the team than just scoring goals. Now, the fact that he's added his goal ratio this season is absolutely brilliant, and that's going to be required in the Premier League. But the work rate he does for the team in holding the ball up, in helping the link-up play, is a lot more than he gets credit for. I think Leeds fans, maybe it took some Leeds fans a while, but Leeds fans understand that now and they know what they're, they're getting from Patrick Bamford. Uh, I mean, it, you know, his goal return is fantastic and he scored great goals as well. The ones against Villa, the one against Palace last week was a, a brilliant goal, as would have been the first one had uh, he mm. not had the audacity, <laughs> how dare he, to point for where he wants the ball to be played. I mean, I think we've all looked at that and thought, okay, by the letter of the law, as it stands, he's offside, but it's ridiculous. So he's scored... Proper wormhole we could go down with that, We, we won't, we, we won't, because that's, you know, we've had, as Leeds fans, we've had two weeks to stew on that uh, with the international break. So we definitely... Oh, what a bad way to end, We definitely yeah. won't go down that, that wormhole. Um, but yeah, his goal scoring has been great. I mean, left foot, right foot, uh, one came off his nose. So, you know, when that's uh, when that's happening, you know things are, are going well for you. And, and yeah, you know, they've got Rodrigo who's been out for the last couple of games because he tested positive for COVID. And we're seeing that with all sorts of players all over the place at the moment. Mm. You know, he came in for big, big money. And you would have thought, well, maybe Patrick Bamford's not going to be a starter here maybe. But 
Bielsa, if he does one thing, he's loyal to his players and he kept faith in uh, Patrick Bamford and, and he's returned that faith with a, a really great return so far this season. And Rodrigo's kind of being used in a slightly deeper role now and together they look like a really good partnership. Yeah, absolutely. I really like Patrick Bamford. I don't think he's your usual uh, run-of-the-mill footballer either. I think he's got quite an interesting backstory and route into the game, which um, I'm quite surprised he never got given an opportunity at Chelsea because when he was at Middlesbrough, he actually won Championship Player of the Season, and that was a few years ago now. We've spoken about what Leeds need to do up front and what they need to do at the back with games against Arsenal and Everton coming up, followed by Chelsea (laughs) and West Ham. But how much are you looking forward to the 19th of December, Rich? Manchester United at Old Trafford. I know you can't go to Old Trafford, but... How much do you hate Man United? <laughs> well, it's an interesting one. You know, I used to, um, I used to, it's, oh, I hate Man United and stuff like that. And I've got a little lad now who's uh, who's seven. And uh, I'm like, oh, I better just, just watch sort of like the kind of, uh, the kind of language he's, because I sort of don't want, you know, as a, as a seven-year-old kind of like running around saying that to his pals and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, there's definitely a, a, a long uh, felt um, dislike, I think would be uh, a good word. But, you know, you mentioned Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Man United, these games that are coming up, you know, Arsenal, you go back to the 1972 Cup final and uh, mm-hmm. in more recent years, the game in 2003 where Viduka scores right at the end, 3-2 at Highbury and it denies Arsenal a chance. We actually handed the title to Man United. Um, the joke finally being on us because, of course, Arsenal went on to be the Invincibles next season and we went on to get relegated. But Man United, <laughs> it's just one of those mouth-watering ties. I mean, Leeds had a little bit of taste of fun uh, back in 2010, Jermaine Beckford scoring... Um, against Man United in the the FA Cup third round to knock out Man United uh, and for Leeds to go through as a League One team there at I the remember. time, but mm. yeah, it's 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 mouth watering, it's exciting, and the, the the great thing about it is the football that we're playing. I mean, if I yeah. was to say to you right now, you've got a choice of watching one of two teams this weekend. You can either watch Leeds United or you can watch Manchester United. Which game are you picking? Uh, you know, it's Leeds United. They're they're better to watch. They're more exciting. You don't know what's going to happen. And Man United look laboured, slower. And, um, you know, hopefully when they get to play a a team of Leeds' calibre, they might just up their game, you never know. (laughs) Just finally then, where does that stem from? Because there'll be people who are listening to the podcast who probably haven't really seen much of Leeds in the top flight because it has been such a long sort of exodus from the top division. So where does that kind of come from, that hatred for for Manchester United, is it just something that's brewed over the years or is there a kind of flashpoint in time which you can pinpoint? Well, it's definitely brewed over the years. I mean, you know, b- before anything, first and foremost, it's it's Yorkshire, Lancashire, isn't it? You know, and so Leeds and Man U has always been that mm. going back, you know, 60s and 70s. It, it's a long-standing uh, rivalry. I think in, in more recent times, you know, you could definitely pinpoint um, the move of Eric Cantona, you know, who won the, the what was the last time of the, the first division title before it came the Premier League with with Leeds yeah. and then um, moved to Manchester United for not much money as well, even in those days, <laughs> and went on to, well, we all know what Eric Cantona went. And, and you know, that was a, a source of taunting uh, from Man United fans towards Leeds United fans. I guess they've gone on to have incredible success in the, the 90s and into the 2000s as well, um, where where Leeds didn't... We, we had points, we had games, we had games where we beat them as well, but it's just something that, yeah, has has built up over the years. And I think the other thing about it is for a rivalry to be a real rivalry, it requires both sides to feel the same about it. And Man Mm. United feel the same about Leeds United fans as Leeds United do about Man United. There are some rivalries where it's a little (laughs) bit more on on one side. And this is a genuine, Mm. long-held 
uh, dislike between the two clubs. It's going to be a, a great game. And, and by the way, I, I actually think Leeds will. I think Leeds will get something at Old Trafford. Um, and for, I, I don't even know what's going to happen in the next few games between <laughs> then and now. But I just reckon they will be. They'll be up for it and they'll go and get something there. Well, Rich, you um, you know, I think one thing we've we've noticed from Leeds is they're a far cry from when I worked with you at LUTV in <laughs> 2014. Um, I'm just looking back through the squad now to remember some of the names. And do we have to? Adrian Tavares on loan from Flamengo, possibly the most bizarre loan you've ever seen. Um, yeah. Edgar Chani, Tommaso Bianchi. Yeah, yeah. Rudy Austin, all these, all these players. That sounds like you're reading well, well, out of wine, great Marley. Not I mean, I used to do the pitch announcing at Ellen Road, <laughs> and we had some great players. You know, Italian players are great for uh, announcing over the tannoy. You know, when um, the the best one was when he scored a goal was Mirko Antonucci. Uh, it just yeah. it just sounds amazing when you said it. he was an all right player. Actually, he wasn't too bad. Um, do you know where yeah, he the... is now? Oh, I'm not sure. He's playing for um, Spal in Syria. So they got promoted, and he's genuinely a pretty decent goal scorer in he's, Serie A, which he's you a would good, never have believed. He's he's a, a kind of good goal scorer. He knows he's got a few good goals for us as well. But yeah, there was a whole random array of players and managers as well. I mean, Adrian, you mentioned. If anyone's ever seen, uh, never seen the Adrian f- uh, fall to the floor. Um, <laughs> the fish it was one. in the fish one. Yeah, he he got the uh, you know forget the Ballon d'Or. They call it the fall on floor, don't they? Uh, award. <laughs> Um, which he got for rolling over around seven or eight times, having not been touched. I mean, they they hauled him straight off a few minutes later. So you can't do that, lad. Because <laughs> salmon out of water. It, it was exactly oh. that. I mean, it's it's worth a little, uh, you know, a Google or a look on Twitter. It's 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 embarrassingly laughable. But yeah, they've come a long way. And you know, credit to uh, well, another Italian, isn't it, Andrea Radrizzani? You know, for coming in and mm. um, doing what they've done. They've they've done it the right way. And in Bielsa. They've got one of the the most incredible managers who's really brought a city together that's been mm. waiting 16 years for, for this moment. So, mm. yeah, fair, fair play to everyone involved. I don't think Bielsa will be standing for much of that um, fish acting on the floor from any of his players, certainly. Been great to chat to you, Rich. Where can people find more from you if they want to check out LUTV or Virgin Radio? Um, on LUTV or Virgin Radio? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. you want to find anything? No, I, I appreciate you mentioning it. I'm, I'm It's Rich Williams on social media, so come and have a look. Uh, um, do some shows for Virgin Radio, uh, Virgin Radio Anthems and Virgin Radio Groove at the week which is good and, and obviously LUTV you can find on the app and stuff around Leeds United uh, for any Leeds United fans who want to go and have a look but yeah it's Rich Williams on social media come and say hello and uh, we can have a natter about uh, footy or anything else and uh, yeah thanks for having me chaps enjoy the pod and uh, cheers for having me on no worries top man Rich take care guys right that's it for another episode of Football Social Daily don't forget you can find a new episode every single day of the football season if you hit subscribe you'll be notified straight away as soon as a new one is released but that's it from me thanks very much Marley cheers guys thank you thanks very much Ian no worries thank you and we'll speak to you again tomorrow Football Social Daily from Sports Social find us on Twitter at the Sports Social with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps) no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.